Oh, hello and welcome to The Witch's Grim. Stories and education with a witchy twist. If it's weird, we want to talk about it. So, pull up a broom, holster that wand, and get comfy, because we're about to get started. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Witch's Grim. I'm here with my co-host Lacey, and we are going to discuss... Baba Yaga, is she a goddess of the Slavic paganism? Um, We thought this was an interesting topic when we had noticed this was out there online. And there's actually a lot of research that backs this up as well. So first, we're going to start out by giving you a little bit of education on who Baba Yaga is, if you've never heard of her. And then we're going to start talking a little bit about some of her symbolism and how people think that she is actually originally a Slavic goddess. So For those of you guys who are new to Baba Yaga, she is a Slavic monster, essentially. Uh, She's often depicted as an evil, ugly witch. She's tall, gaunt old woman. She usually is pictured with really bony legs. So they're either actual bones or they are so thin that they are bony. And she's often depicted with an iron nose. Now, the size of the nose will vary. It's typically always very long, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Um, And then other times it's so long that it is uh, long enough that if she were to lay on the floor, that her nose would touch the ceiling. And there might be a reason for that. And we'll talk a little bit later on about the meaning of her name and why she might be depicted in this particular fashion. So um, the nose actually has a purpose. It allows her to identify people who approach her house by scent. And so it leads some to believe that Baba Yaga might actually be blind, but having a good sense of smell is typically a female thing as well, like mm-hmm. genetically speaking. Not that I'm saying Baba Yaga is a real female, a real, a real person, but um, typically females do have a, Genetically, we have a better sense of smell than males. So uh, I think that could lend itself to just being the female part of her. Um, She typically lives in a deep, dark forest. So humans, just in general, we often have a fear of going deep into the dark forest. It it does feel very ominous and creepy to us. So why wouldn't a witch live there? Uh, She is sometimes lives in a grand mansion as well. There have been stories that I have seen depicted online and in movies where she lives in a mansion or her hut looks unassuming from the outside and then much like a harry potter tent you go inside and suddenly it is huge and spacious and all these rooms one thing to note is that baba yaga is wealthy in some shape or form she often has many things Uh, she often has a house she's trying to upkeep so um she's got that going on Uh, And what's interesting about her hut is that it's often depicted being on either two to four chicken legs. So she's got this little bitty unassuming hut that can technically get up and walk away. Uh, And the hut spins. And the only way that you can get the hut to stop spinning is to say, little house, little house, turn your back to the forest and your front to me. So that's Baba Yaga to start with. Now, The reason that she's so significant is because Baba Yaga is often used in fairy tales 
as a means of controlling people's behavior. So specifically as it pertains to children. So I, I first learned of Baba Yaga uh, from friends who talked about how when they were growing up, their parents would say if they didn't eat all their food or they didn't do their chores, that Baba Yaga was going to come in the night and take them away and essentially eat them. So she is often thought of as a cannibal. Um, but if you look her up online, she's been depicted in thousands of different formats. Movies have been made about her. Short stories have been written about her. Paintings have been done of her. Um, besides the original short story uh, fairy tale that she showed up in that made her internationally acclaimed, um, she has shown up thousands and thousands. You can Google her thousands and thousands of times. There's so many stories out there pertaining to Baba Yaga. And many of the stories you will find, the person doesn't get eaten unless they're lazy and they're unwilling to do what they're required to do. So if you're intelligent and you are uh, good hearted and you're willing to persevere, often you will either escape from Baba Yaga's grasp or you will go ahead and um, actually get some type of reward from her before she sends you away. So it, it's interesting that she's, that she's uh, portrayed in this way. And, and I do wanna say uh, real quick, if you are Slavic, Russian in some way, and you have different information on Baba Yaga from what you grew up with, by all means, we are gathering our information from multiple sources. Uh, like I said, she came on my radar because I've had friends that talked about her. But if we are giving any information that you think differs from the information that you have, please know that we are not doing it to be disrespectful or to spread misinformation. This is the information we've actually gathered from our own research and um, from multiple sources. And so we just are gonna put that disclaimer out there. Now, Baba Yaga has some pretty interesting um, like items that she has. So Lacey, what are, do you know what some of those items are? Like what, what do you mean, like around the house? Well, you were telling me that she has three horsemen? Oh yeah, she has three horsemen. There's like a red, a red one, a black one, and a white one, and they all stand for different things. Um, Aren't those her colors as well as red, black, and white? They are. Oh, nice. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> okay, so she has, yes, her faithful servants are the white horsemen, the red horsemen, and the black horsemen. And she calls them my bright dawn, my red sun, and my dark nightfall. <clears throat> because they control daybreak, sunrise, and nightfall. Ooh. So, Well, she also has stuff that are, is related to her house that I forgot to mention. So she has, um, one of the reasons that people think that she's probably a cannibal is the fact that her, her house does have a perimeter and the fence is actually made of human bones. And then the, the lock on it is actually made of sharpened human teeth, which if you think about the story of Deathly Hollows, yes, in the movie, the he has sharpened, horseman. yeah, he has sharpened teeth. That definitely feels like a Slavic yes. fairy tale to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's there's that, um, and then she also has some mystical possessions. So I think that is really interesting. Some of these possessions. So I'm going to share them with you guys. She travels through the sky on a mortar and pestle. So if you don't know what that is, and in some countries they call it a pestle, um, but that is basically the bowl and the grinder that you use to kind of pulverize oils and herbs and things like that to make 
you know, poultices and, and tinctures and Grinders. all types of medicinal things yeah. and yeah, and cooking and stuff like that. So she actually gets herself inside her little mortar and she uses her pestle to to steer the way. And then she uses her broom to kind of brush away her traveling path. Yes. And then she also has mirrors that turn into lakes, combs that turn into forests, handkerchiefs that turn into rivers. And what was the other thing? She has a flying carpet. And then like you were saying, she has the fire breathing horses. So she's got quite uh, the ensemble and quite the entourage that she has going on there. Yeah. With hungry dogs, evil geese and black cats. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, the reason that we know of, of Baba Yaga in mainstream is because she finally gained international recognition after being published in Alexander, and I'm going to butcher this probably, I apologize, Ovionsivis, Russian fairy tales, and when it was translated in the late 1800s. And uh, this is a book that is set up very similar to the Grimm's fairy tales, which is actually somewhat what the name of our podcast Um, I do want to say that we have tried to record this particular podcast several times at this point. And for some reason, Baba Yaga does not want us talking about her. So we'll see how this goes. So we actually recorded this originally and we found out that neither one of us had actually pressed the record button and the other person thought, yeah, we've never done that before. Uh, And then you're listening to this and it will be uninterrupted. However, just know that there was about five minutes there where the call completely dropped and my internet dropped and I couldn't connect, which hadn't happened all day long. So, and we recorded a podcast before this with zero interruptions. (laughs) So as soon as we got on here and we started recording this episode after not recording it the first time it dropped and now we're in this situation. So, um, Baba Yaga is an interesting character. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, she showed up in this Grimm's fairy tale type thing from Russia. And then um, in 1755, she showed up in a a Russian poet and scientist book, um, Mikhail or Mikhail uh, V. Lomonosov. And she, he had actually put together this uh, compilation of Roman gods and goddesses and their Russian correspondences. And he did not give Baba Yaga any uh, counterpart. So she's notorious throughout time. And there are there is evidence that she was actually orally passed down. And then in the uh, medieval era ended up finally being, I think it was the 16, 1700s was actually finally put down in writing. So there is evidence that stories of Baba Yaga were available through, which is how we all used to share stories. Uh, Before the 1600s, many people didn't know how to read. That's actually why churches have pictures all around the outside and all around in the stained glass was because those were the only way that many people could know the stories that came from the Bible unless they went to church and they listened to them. So they these were depicted on the outside. So that's why 
most of these are passed down through oral means. And so there is evidence that she also was passed down through oral means as well through Slavic paganism. And as I said in the beginning, she's often now depicted as this huge monster that everybody's afraid of. But we're going to get into here in just a moment why she might actually be a Slavic pagan deity. And we found this just absolutely fascinating. So we were going to share it with you guys. Yes. Uh, when we were talking about her um, minions, <laughs> uh -huh. she does have some other ones um, that we were talking about yesterday. The little, um, she had three little bodiless pairs of hands that would just like appear out of nowhere when she needed something done and they would just go get them, get it done for. They would just scatter off and do her bidding. And then she had a herdsman. Um, and again, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but sorcerer Kochki, Koshki, mm -hmm. um, the deathless. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, she was powerful enough that she had all these little, you know, people, <laughs> entities and, and, and minions working for her, doing her bidding. And uh, yeah, I did find out that um, there are some that talk about her house having the windows were eyes. Oh, so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. no. And, and, and I think you're not sweeping your floors and your house just like takes off. It's all mad at you. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't piss off your house. I know. <laughs> um, I was thinking about the hands thing and you and I were talking about, it, and you were like, I was thinking Adam's family and I'm like, I'm thinking dirty. Like, <laughs> what do you, what do you need three pairs of hands for there? Baba Yaga. A <laughs> uh, little, little, little dirty stuff there. Um, but if that doesn't describe our personalities, <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter, Lola. Oh. Um, but yeah, so she, like I said, she is believed to be. There's, there's some evidence that she is probably related to a deity in some way. Now, I do want to give you guys a little bit of history, um, much like Hinduism the Orisha that come from Yoruba and um, a lot of the Slavic deities. First off, Slavic deities, there's so many that you will often not hear Slavic witches or Slavic pagans talk specifically about any particular deity. And the reason is, is because they say that it becomes very convoluted. Uh, they are all equally powerful and because they are all equally powerful, there's no real way to explain them in a hierarchy like you would with the Romans, like you have Zeus, or is that Greek? With the Greek, you have Zeus, and then you have, you know, Hera, and then you have his children, and so you have the, and then you have demigods, and so on and so forth. It's not as easy to explain as you would expect, like, the Greek pantheon to be. So you will hear a lot of Slavic pagans say, we just, we just don't, we just don't necessarily specifically talk about one deity. And, that, and the reason is because uh, the way it was explained from what I've seen in our research is the thing to know about Hinduism, the Orisha and Slavic paganism is that they, the deities actually come from one single source. So they are an archetype or a representation of a part of God. Okay. And this is not God is in the Christian sense. This is God as in source. So they are a archetype or a characteristic or a representation of a part of God, a part of source. And that means that they would be equally powerful because they're all God. You know, they are all part of the same entity. They're just different characteristics of the same thing. 
I keep repeating myself, but I don't know if I'm getting that across properly. She really wants to get her point across. <laughs> really, really want you to know they're all part of good. Um, so, so that being said, um, when we start talking about how powerful we think Baba Yaga is as a deity, as a goddess, that's not to say that we think that she is if we say mother goddess, we're not saying mother goddess as in she's birthed other gods and she has these other lesser gods under her. We're saying a mother goddess as in a mother type. Okay. So I just want to make that distinction again, because I'm not trying to spread misinformation or give the wrong idea. I'm not a Slavic pagan, so I don't want to give misinformation to in other individuals who are not Slavic pagans. This is just because I found the fact that Baba Yaga could potentially be a goddess, very interesting. Yes. Um, so it was in this 1755 notes was one of the first time that, that people had actually seen somebody write down that they thought that Baba Yaga was actually a deity. And that was very fascinating to me. And there are some things that kind of lend to that. So they say as a deity, as Baba Yaga all by herself, but this definitely lends to the idea that she's a deity, is that she reigns over time, life, death, and the elements. She's associated with strong winds and the forests, and she's connected with earth, heavens, and the underworld. And what I mentioned actually yesterday was if you do any research on shamanism, shamanism actually comes from the East. Um, and shamanism... Uh, I think I believe, if I'm understanding this correctly, shamanism comes from a part of Siberia. And so, and then some of the Eastern, you know, sections there. And because of that, um, if you, you do a little bit of research on shamanism, there is a, a part of shamanism where they believe in an upper world, a middle world, and a lower world. And when you do meditations and you're doing healing, you would go into one of these worlds in order to do that. And so the upper world is much like you would think of, of heaven. It's light, it's airy, it's beautiful. The middle world is earth. And then the underworld is what you would expect it to be. Or the lower world, world is what you would expect the underworld to be dark and a lot heavier and those types of things. And each one has their, their distinct characteristics and they're equally as powerful. You know, there's, there's no hierarchy there. Like you would have heaven over hell in, you know, Christianity. It's not like that. Each one of them is just a different area that has a different, you know, characteristic for whatever you're trying to do. And so I think that that's interesting that, that she's, you know, the ruler of all three realms, essentially, um, because of the shaman, you know, aspect of it. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, and you had was, mentioned she is likened to, um, other goddesses like, uh, what you yeah, yeah, said? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, one of the other things when I was doing some research and people were talking about, uh, other goddesses and who she's likened to. So, uh, a lot of people, the way that Baba Yaga is actually described is what many people will describe as uh, Hecate. So in some stories, Baba Yaga is actually living with her two sisters, which gives to the three-part goddess, the mother maiden crone, um, the triple goddess, which is often in modern paganism is associated with Hecate mm -hmm. and, um, or Hecate, however you say her name. And uh, so that being said, um, it's possible that there is some kind of relation between, you know, her and 
um, Hecate as well. But some of the other stories, when you start to do research, some of our other resources said that apparently she ruled over a particular lake that was known for um, bringing people back. So if you got some of the water from this, this lake and you sprinkled it on somebody who was on their deathbed, they would come back to life. If you sprinkled it on somebody who was already dead, they would be reborn. So she's the goddess of rebirth as well. And so you can definitely see some similarities to other pantheons as well. Mm -hmm. And then the, the other thing that I saw her associated with was Kali Ma. So as I mentioned before, Hinduism, um, Kali Ma is one of the goddesses often depicted with bones around her neck, often depicted with um, very interesting uh ideas about she, that some people would say she's aggressive. I don't think, I don't personally think that she would be aggressive, but it's because she's associated with destruction. Mm -hmm. But if you know anything about any gods that are typically related to destruction, they're also known as being gods of removers of obstacles and, re and rebirth because you, you break something down, you completely destroy the foundations to build yourself back up or to build the situation back up. Sometimes, you know, people say, I, I want to have this particular life. And then they either put the intention out there or they cast a spell to do that. And then they wonder why all of these people start dropping out of their lives. They lose their job. They break up with their boyfriend. It's because you asked for everything that you currently have to be destroyed so that you can get what you want. Right. So <laughs> break it down, build it up. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, and uh, Ganesh is often associated with destruction and rebirth as well. So Kali Ma is very similar and, and I don't, I, I would have to look up Kali Ma, but if I remember correctly, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but she's also associated with like war and things like that. But mm. I can definitely see the similarities there between, um, Hakate, Kalima, and, and Baba Yaga. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, very strong warrior-like woman. Um, and didn't you say that she was kind of, uh, she had to do with Freya as well? She had associations with Freya? I think when we were looking up a little bit on the research, there was some that was brought up with Freya as well. And again, uh, if, you know, if you know anything about Freya, same thing associated with um, war. She's a warrior type goddess. So it, it's possible that Baba Yaga was originally that as well. Now to give you a little bit of backstory on her name, Baba originally was the name that you would call like a wise woman or a midwife or a healer or something like that. So all of these mystical arts that would have saved people's lives and helped a village, you know, do what it needed to do would have been a Baba. A Baba would have done that. Unfortunately, as witch has become, you know, a bad word and something that's bad, even though it was a wise woman and other, you know, things, um, it's become a derogatory term. So now if you were to call somebody a Baba, you would be calling them an ugly old woman, okay? So the other thing, and this is what I was going to bring up from earlier, is Baba actually has a little bit to do with, um, I guess there's a translation that's a pelican, I think it was. Uh, or some type of stork, which obviously has the big nose and the long spindly legs. Yeah. So it's possible that the reason she she is depicted that way is because she's basically bird-like. Yes, yeah. In, in the way that she looks. 
Um, but then obviously, you know, some of her little, her entourage definitely lends to the fact that she could be a goddess. One of the things that you guys need to understand is oftentimes when Christianity moved through areas um, and they start converting people, they will demonize the old gods, the old ways. And it's possible that since Baba Yaga was, was translated much later, um, she was probably passed down orally. They have no idea what her deity name was, but there are just certain things that historians and researchers have found that say, wow, this woman is not just a monster. Mm -hmm. yes. Absolutely. She's, she's so much more powerful than a monster. She's so much more mystical than a monster. She was probably a goddess. You know, she was probably, you know, somebody that somebody worshiped at one point in time. Yeah. And as we did more research, we actually found some of the things to worship, uh, some of the ways that people worshiped her. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, I think there was one thing I was going to mention and it popped out of my head. So if I think of it, then we can talk about it, but let me just go over here to some of my research. So you guys can actually go to journeying to the goddess.wordpress.com. I'll repeat that for you one more time. Journeying to the goddess wordpress.com and there is a whole section on goddess baba yaga and this is actually a page that was created person says journey with me as i research rediscover and explore the goddess in all her many aspects forms and guises this was published back in august of 2012 and it talks a little bit about what this person found as far as baba yaga being a goddess and one of the things that they says that she's associated with is harvest, rest, providence, thankfulness, and the cycles. Her symbols are corn sheaves, wreaths of wheat, corn, rye, and wildflowers. And she's also known as the goddess of regeneration. They often had uh, festivities for her. One of the things that was a way that she would be honored was you would actually take either the last sheaf of uh, wheat or, or corn at, or the last little bit of wheat and you would weave it together um, and then you would actually make it as an offering to Baba Yaga. And if women did that, then they were expected to be pregnant that very year. Yes. So if you wanted to worship her, if you wanted to offer some, you know, some offerings to her, um, you can buy a wreath or a bundle of corn shucks and other harvest items. You can keep them in your home to inspire Baba Yaga's providence and prosperity for everyone who lives there. Uh, she actually has a feast day that is on January 20th. She is associated with the astrological sign of Scorpio. As we mentioned earlier, her colors are white, red, and black. Her gemstones are garnet, bloodstone, tourmaline, and smoky quartz. She's uh, associated with Hecate, Hal, or Hel, and Kali. She's known as the crone goddess. Um, you can also burn patchouli, sandalwood, and geranium incense or candles as a means of kind of, um, uh, what is it, like making offerings to her. And then she also has the snake and the cat. So she's definitely an autumn goddess. You can, you can do more worshiping of her in or working with her in fall. Um, but snake and cat. So... The cat is interesting because there are other goddesses that are associated with cats, but I just think that it's interesting that she's portrayed as what 
you know, mainstream media would say would be the scary witch with the big nose and the scary skin and gaunt and kind of ugly. And then she's got this black cat. I think it's black, right? Yep. It said black cat. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Living so, deep in the scary woods, hovering over a cauldron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very much this this depiction that um, mainstream media for Halloween yes. has of what a witch looks like. And then the snake as well. Um, I think the snake is cool. Last night when we recorded this, Lacey and I said, oh, she would definitely be a Slytherin house if you are yeah. into Harry Potter. Um, so yeah, she's, she's really interesting. Um, Let's see. Uh, what else did we find on her? Um, so here's a little like insert. Uh, it, sh- it says uh, she's the arch crone, the goddess of wisdom and death, who brings death of ego, the rebirth through death. Um, and she, it says she's the earth mother, uh, wild but kind. And the earth is in both its gentle rain and its furious hurricane. She's like all of it because um, people, you know, have depicted her as this, like you said, this wild, crazy, dark witch, but she's also very kind. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you disrespect her or whatever, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna leave. In fact, um, that it's, we were talking about how she kind of resembles the witch in Hansel and Gretel because, mm-hmm. you know, she eats people and, um, she'll put you on this spatula and <laughs> put you in her oven. And I, I can't remember what it said about if you don't, didn't fit on the spatula, but she did something to make you fit. Um, and then you had mentioned that you could get away. Uh, what was that? Yeah. So uh, usually the protagonist in her story, if they are cunning or they're smart or they have some kind of characteristic that you would obviously think would make a good character as a person, like would make you a good person, those good characteristics were how you defeated Baba Yaga. So if you were, she gave you the option, I think she would make you clean her house and like tidy up after she fed you. And that that was just before she was about to eat you. And then she would put you in her oven, but she would give you a choice of whether or not you could sit on a spatula inside the oven. And if you chose to take the spatula, there's a possibility that you could end up getting out of the oven and get away. So if you ever end up in a situation with Baba Yaga and she gives you the option of the spatula, you take it. Yes. You take it. Um <laughs> Yeah, definitely uh, is is kind of I, I can see the the relation to Hansel and Gretel yeah. with the fattening up, the feeding, being you know whether or not the kids are lazy, uh, putting people in an oven, but also ovens are associated with you know a bun in the oven, like babies and rebirth and stuff like that. So the symbolism that could be there from her putting people in an oven and then them making their way out, that's empowering, that's them coming into their own, you know, that that symbolism that's there as well. So oftentimes if you did what you were supposed to or you were a good person in general, Baba Yaga let you go. Yeah. It was only the lazy, you know, jerk people that she ate, which yeah. Has- twofold like who wants to hang out with those people who wants those people around um unless they can redeem themselves and if you redeemed yourself in the story she let you go so yeah yeah. we did also forget to mention that um there was only um certain ways you could actually find her and so like one of them was like a special magical thread or a feather or a doll that showed you the way to get to her and that oh. comes to uh, Versilis, I believe her name was, and she mm-hmm. 
is, it's kind of a story that has to do with this maiden and it, it uh, has a lot of things in common with Cinderella. Yes. So yeah. a, a young girl, her mother gets ready to pass away on her deathbed. She hands her daughter a doll. She lets her daughter know to always keep the doll with her. And if ever she needs advice, she just gives the doll little food and she asks for advice and the doll will assist her. And so she can, she, her father ends up remarrying the stepmother and the stepsisters, obviously, are very jealous of her. And she uses this doll to assist her in all of her chores. And she continues to be beautiful and gain beauty while uh, she's, you know, living in filth and, and having to clean the house and basically living as a servant. Yeah, hardly. While her, yeah, while her stepsisters who don't have hard labor are able to um, you know, sit around and do things, they end up becoming more ugly. So they are obviously the jealousy grows. And so one night they're all sitting around by candlelight and or firelight, and they are doing some workings, like probably knitting and things like that. And uh, what ends up happening is the stepsisters decide that they're going to blow the fire out. And then they're going to make, um, what's her name again? Uh, Vercilis. Vercilis. Oh, sorry, Vasilia. Oh, Vasilia. They're going to yes, make yes. Vasilia go to Baba Yaga's house, very much a hazing situation, mm -hmm. and get more fire. And I'm like, uh, there was nobody else in the village that could have given them fire, but they <laughs> made her go to Baba Yaga's house. And she's greeted by the horsemen. Um, she's She ends up seeing some very terrifying things. And while she's standing there, um, and she's got this doll in her hand, the doll is assisting her. Baba Yaga floats up on her mortar and pestle and is, um, you know, takes the girl in and tells the girl that she'll let her go if the girl completes all these tasks. And usually these are coming of age things like a young girl becoming a woman who's getting ready to get married and become a wife and take care of a home. So all the same type of chores and things, the doll helps her and the girls, uh, the girl ends up getting rewarded. I think she's given money and some things and she heads back to the house and the stepsisters and the stepmother are just floored. So the stepmother takes the girls there, I believe. And the girls are obviously not brought up the same way. And I don't remember, but I think there's a possibility the sisters might have been eaten. They were um, eaten. <laughs> so um, but obviously very similar, definitely can see some similarities in, in many of the stories. Which kind yeah. of makes me think that, you know, that kind of lends even more to the idea that she was potentially a goddess because these are some of the same stories that one of the things that I've noticed about religion is gen in general is if you look at the basic tenets of most religion, they all have some threads of similarity, okay? There's typically some similarities in the story, some similarities in the characteristics that make you a good person or a good religious person. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm seeing a lot of similarities in these fairy tales as well, which kind of makes me believe that many of these, these, where these stories came from, these people were connected, but they were probably shared long before they became, um, you know, Christians. And as Christianity moves through, and we talked about this last night when we first recorded this, can you imagine what it would have been like to be a goddess and, and be worshipped and all of a sudden everybody just turns their back on you and you're demonized? Well, you would turn into a monster. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I've heard people talk about that they were bullied in school and they're always being picked on and then suddenly the bully decides to ostracize them and then they're completely ignored. And these people will talk about how much more traumatic it was to be ignored than it was to be picked on every day. Right. That it feels worse to be forgotten about than it does to be picked on. At least somebody's paying attention to you. Right. And so the same thing with Baba Yaga and these, these old gods. Can you imagine what it would be like to be worshipped and, and sought guidance from and, and offerings made to you. And then all of a sudden, these Christians come in and they convert everybody and you're, you're considered evil or you're completely forgotten about and ignored. Totally demonized. Yep. You would <laughs> totally become crazy. Yes. And mediums will talk about this as well. They'll say that when a ghost starts to have been a ghost for so long, they lose their humanity is what they call it. Um, and they will actually become like crazy. They, they, they don't know how to be human anymore. They become this wild version. And so I just imagine these thousands of year old beings. Like thousands, a poltergeist in a way. Exactly. They and they turn out. into these monsters. Yeah. They lose their humanity. They don't remember. They, 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 they no longer interact with humans. Right. They don't know how to deal with humans. So they do become monsters. And, and because we don't remember the ways that we used to appease them and we used to communicate with them, they're obviously going to be very scary with us because we're being, we're probably being quite rude, you know? <laughs> um, and so it's just interesting to think about that too, is just as, as Christianity moved through and it, and it kind of demonized and especially strong woman figures that those were often demonized. We don't need the ladies, uh, to, to know that they're powerful and they can change things. Um, so it, it's just, it's just interesting um, and, and so, I mean, if you guys want to maybe tonight, light a nice candle for Baba Yaga and let her know, Hey, we haven't forgotten about you. Yeah. That's why we made this podcast, Baba Yaga. You don't have to keep cutting it off. Yeah. Come on now. We're just, we're just <laughs> trying to educate some folks so they can remember you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Did, did I forget anything? Cause like I said, we tried to record this already before and it <laughs> did not work out. So some of the things that I remember last night, I'm not remembering now. And some of the things I added that I didn't say last night. So I don't remember. I, I think that's everything. I think we got it all. Yeah. Tell us what you thought about this. Um, are you a Slavic pagan? Do you come from that particular tradition? Um, you know, oh, the other thing that I did want to mention is, um, well, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to mention that. Uh, there is a lot, we did talk in the last episode about how there is a lot of an occult undertone, even in Christianity within um, Russia and the, some of those other Slavic countries. So um, it's just interesting that, that that exists, that coexists together. Yeah. So, and I think Baba Yaga is a, a nod to a, a time past when we still, you know, associated ourselves with nature and earth and the forces and, and those things beyond ourselves. And uh, those of us who practice witchcraft or paganism or both, we, that's what we want to connect, yeah. reconnect with. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And we do that by reintroducing old gods and goddesses. Yes. <laughs> so again, like I said, we're going to post this on Instagram. We're going to um, put a post out there for you guys to comment on, engage with, let us know what you thought. Let us know if there's another uh, God or goddess or a monster that was probably a God or a goddess that, you know, 
or mystical creature of some kind that we can talk about yeah. that uh, you might find interesting. Um, or left anything out at all. Or we left anything out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if there's an off. interesting yeah, tidbit. <laughs> yeah. If there's an interesting tidbit or anything like that that you'd like to share with us, we would love to hear. As a reminder, we do have a Patreon. So if you'd like to support our page, we do have patreon.com slash the witches grim. Um, and you can contribute, either be just a regular contributor supporter that uh, just gives us a couple dollars a month in order to help us continue to make this content, or you can be a contributor that pays $5 a month and you would be able to not only get the behind the scenes, so you would have, you would have seen the, the disappearance of us and the, the return and some of the things that we say that's unedited and and the conversations we have beforehand and after you get to see all of those behind the scenes things once a month on a on the third friday of the month we would do a zoom meeting where you can come hang out with us and we can do card pulls and pendulum readings and all kinds of fun stuff you can get to know us a little bit better and then you would also get to choose what our next episode is so we do uh love when you guys make suggestions to us but as a contributor you guys would be the first to be able to vote on what we do next and um and then we would we would go with what our patrons want so go ahead and take a look at that and um and we would love to have you as a supporter of the show so that we can continue putting out this content um, we do love what we do and we want to be able to keep doing it yes so that's all we've got for today we will see you guys in the next episode bye-bye Bye. all right witches and witchlings that does it for another episode of the witches grim if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with family and friends or head on over to whichever platform you're listening on and leave us a five-star review. We post new content every Friday. If you'd like to stay up to date or engage with us, you can head on over to our Instagram or our Facebook or leave an audio comment on our Anchor app where we might feature you in a future episode. And if you'd like to further support this channel, head on over to Patreon at Patreon slash The Witch's Grim. Until next time, witches and witchlings, keep making magic. <laughs>